Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. And we are back. Another episode of Chew on This K-Dog. What's up? It is a beautiful day because I get to hang out with TD and talk yes. about some fun, interesting things today. I'm excited about today's show. Well, I like the topic of what we're going to explore about responsibility and all of that. I think some of the things are interesting to talk about, but for one or two particular people, not so fun, Kevin. No. There's some uh, there's some funky things happening out there in the state of dentistry. Do you there want are. to take us into your hometown, into your area? <laughs> I want to hear what's going on in that side of the mountains. Ah, let's head west. Let's head to the Rockies. Uh, here, <laughs> you know, the state of dentistry in the state of Colorado, my home state, and of course, you know, the big story, which has been on all the national news programs, everything else is obviously Dr. James Craig, a dentist in Aurora, Colorado, just outside of Denver, who has been arrested and charged with killing his wife through poison. It is a story that I'm not really going to get into here because I think a lot of our listeners have heard about it. If you have not, we're going to put a link in the show notes to make sure that you can catch up on it. But, you know, Teresa, it's it's really interesting because I looked at a lot of our, our dental publications, you know, and I used to run dental economics, dentistry, I, you know, Q, Dr. By Cuspid, you know, and nobody's talking about this. And I thought it was really interesting because I understand that to have a dentist on trial for murder is not something that you really just want to flash up there as look at our profession in, in this light. But I think it's more of a teaching moment because if you read what happened in Dr. Craig's practice, there were a lot of red flags leading up to the death of his wife and very suspicious death of his wife. And among those uh, was a package that was opened by one of the office's employees that was supposed to be personal, and it ended up being part of the poison that Dr. Craig had allegedly ordered to come into the practice. You know, you and I talked a little bit before we started this podcast about that I really wanted to frame this this horrific moment here in Colorado as not necessarily about Dr. Craig's actions, but more about as a team in that office. When do you realize that enough is enough? And when do you really have those spidey senses go off to say, I need to ask a question or I need to say something here? And it's not just about poison coming through the mail. It can be about billing. It can be about infection control protocols. You know, it can be about, you know, you could see a patient with bruises. You know, there, there's a lot of things that, that I think our dental team members see every day that sometimes we either get so numb to because we've seen them so often, or we're scared to say something because we know that that's the first domino of many that could fall. Well, and saying something, whistleblowing, or just speaking up really is very uncomfortable. And okay. it's very it's very upsetting of the apple cart. Do you know what I mean? Like your life is fine. You went into work one day. You thought you just had to do setup and, ooh, there's a tough number 13 we got to work on. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, uh, that doctor just touched so-and-so. Now what am I supposed to do? And your whole life changes in an instant because now you're talking to authorities. Now maybe the dental board. Or you go, I don't know if I saw that. And you just go home, maybe tell your partner or, you yeah. know, and just go, I don't know. And then you just decide not to do anything. 
So is there the, the personal responsibility that you were we were talking about earlier? I think it's really good that we're talking about it from that point of view because it would have been easy to we're saying, of course, well, if somebody had just done this, it would have we would have caught this. If somebody had just done this, but when you're in the situation, you have to think about a lot of things like, Kevin, I got to make sure that I can put, you know, food on the table for my kids. I got to make sure that, you know, I'm going to be able to save for Christmas. I mean, there's a lot of extenuating factors there, but does that advocate responsibility? That's the question. How much is too much? What's the line in the sand where you say, you know what, lifestyle, salary, everything Uh else aside, I have to say something. And I really wonder, are dental team members able to say something more today than they were maybe five years ago because they're let's let's be perfectly frank we know jobs are plentiful out there we know that there are always practices looking for another hygienist or assistant or front office or whatever it might be And, and i think that that in and of itself if you're so worried about your career if you're so worried about that does that give you uh, a stronger spine to say something? We have another case that we'll talk about in just a second, but it's a, a dentist in Knoxville, and it's been going on since 2019. I know yeah. this is something you've talked about in your classes, and they finally came down with a ruling. We'll get to that in a second, but 2019, obviously, before the shutdown, before the market went completely upside down, like, this is bizarro employment market right now. It's crazy. What I was thinking is, yes, it's I can walk in as an assistant tomorrow and say, oh, I should be making X amount of money. Okay, fine. But if the market's good and I know I'm going to be able to hop to another job, if I see something crazy, like a like a shipment of poison coming to the office, you know, am I able to then in my mind just go, I'm out, peace, I'm out, and I just go to the next office? Whereas before the lockdown, I might have felt like I was stuck. Maybe I can't find the job making this much money. It's this close to home. So I wonder if before the lockdown, then the agonizing over whether or not to do the whistleblowing is more pertinent. But now that you have increased job flexibility, instead of worrying about whether or not I'm reporting, you're just out. This is somebody else's problem. Yeah. I don't know. I think you've got those two things going on in the marketplace. A question that I wanted to ask you in regards to that, because, you know, I've never been in a position to hire somebody in the practice. Uh But one thing I've heard, and I'd love your opinion on this, if I'm a whistleblower, if I'm somebody who says, oh, this is horrible, this is happening, I turn in my dentist or turn in a hygienist for whatever, and then I come to your practice, do I bring a black mark with me? Or are you hesitant to hire me because of that? So first inclination is to say, yeah, this is going to be like a big red flag. Like, you know, in HR, you don't want to hire someone who's done like uh, just a ton of civil actions against employers because you're like, oh, gosh, it's going to be me. But you have to step back. In our area, I know who the clunker dentists are. I hear all the stories. I know if somebody is whistleblowing on this dentist in particular, one that's just popped into my head, it's probably legitimate. And I realize she was in a tough situation. I think as an interviewing office, I need to ask point blank, what happened? I see that you disclose this because remember, I can't be like, you know, going and, and looking at this unless they agree to a background check, right? They disclosed it. They said I was part of this. I said, okay, well, tell me about it. And I would then have to decide, you know, how does that work? But I think if you don't do it and if she discloses, if you don't address it, then you do risk the this was something that you were holding against me conversation. So uh-huh. I think it's smart to just tackle it. If you know that that doctor is shady, then of course you give her the benefit of the doubt, right? I think so. I mean, it, it, it's it's an interesting thing because you always think outside looking in, oh, I would have handled that differently. Oh, I mm-hmm. would have said something. 
Sure. And yet, whenever you're in that situation and all of a sudden, you know, these are people that you've worked with for months or years mm-hmm. or whatever. And all of a sudden you're faced with, do I talk to this person? Do I even bring this up? I think that it really causes a lot more dilemmas within ourselves than we think outside looking in would would happen. Let me let me put a different spin on it. OK, so this doctor in your state. Uh-huh. Your state. Your state. Yeah. Although, you know what? She, he's in Aurora. And, you know, my best friend lives in Aurora. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know the town very well. And, and she actually is familiar with that office. So it was a very interesting text exchange back and forth. But let's take the, the murder part out. Jeez, I can't believe I'm saying that. Let's take aside the murder part. We know that there are doctors out there in crisis who are having really bad days. Maybe they're mentally ill. Maybe they're substance abusing, whatever. So there is an obligation for patient safety, of course. But I've talked to quite a few people who knew their dentist was on some sort of abuse or some sort of substance, and it was Uh affecting them in the office. And rather than turning them into whatever, they you know, marshaled the forces and and did interventions and all of that. So I think there's a point of realizing this is somebody that needs help. And and whistleblowing at that point, I'm I'm assuming is the last resort. It's almost like having somebody hit rock bottom, right? Yeah. Listen, I mean, I've watched enough true crime to realize this guy never watched an episode of true crime uh, because no. you do not order poison to go to your office. I mean, this is like reason number one to get a PO box. Like, how stupid are you? to order poison to go to the office. I'm sorry, Kevin, I had to go there because my true crime mind was like, what What are you doing? And then, I, I don't know, it's salacious, I know, but I so mean, salacious. come on, there's like all this motive all over the place. His team members knew something was funky. You also don't allegedly Google, is arsenic detectable in an autopsy? You know, yeah. there, 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 oh, there's yeah. a lot of things that, yeah, it's like this is like the, a lifetime movie. This will be a lifetime. Oh, movie. It, it will be. And, and, <laughs> and sadly, I feel like there have been a lot of cases in Colorado that turn into lifetime movies and not the Hallmark movies, you know, where they're up in the no. mountains and follow up. No, it's not that. No, no, no. There will be the there will be no beautiful romantic <laughs> snow falling on this dude. But it is interesting the the fact that the employee opened it up and looked at arsenic. It was arsenic, right? Yeah. I, I, or was it cyanide? Read, let me just read that. Uh, yeah. There's a sentence, and it's in the link that we'll we'll share here. And this is from CBS News. Dr. Craig had asked an office manager not to open that package, but another employee did, leading <laughs> to its discovery and eventual disclosure to authorities, said documents. I mean, so, if I'm opening cyanide, I'm going, huh, my 3D printer doesn't need cyanide. Um, it's cold, sterile. <laughs> no, no cyanide. What the heck? Yeah, of course you're calling the cops. Of course. I'll I'll ask you this because you've worked in the dental practice. Uh-huh. You know, again, referring back to the CBS News article, Dr. Craig had ordered potassium cyanide even though they did not need it for work. Now, there was a, a part earlier in this this where he talks about that allegedly it was ordered because they they were going to use it in the dental practice, you know, to use it for dentistry. From what I've read from other things, it could potentially be used in a medical practice, but not in a, in a dental practice. A lot of red flags going here. And yeah. if you're that office manager, the, he never said, don't open it, it's poison. You know, he just <laughs> said, don't open it, it's personal. I, I'm just wondering, did the office manager have any clue at all? Mm, interesting. He sounds like he was a little bit manic at the end. I mean, it does sound like, I mean, he made a lot of crazy decisions. So maybe he wasn't in his right mind. I don't know. My old doctor, if he came to me and said, hey, I'm getting a package. Do you mind just putting it on my desk? It's personal. 
Yeah. I don't know if he would necessarily say to me, don't open it, because then that would be a red flag, right? And so right. did that happen all the time? If it happened all the time, it's not a big deal. But if it never happens, of course, it's going to make me go, whatever. But, you know, there's so many packages coming in out of the office that this guy, he was dumb for doing that because it's going to get mixed up. Any assistant who sees a brown package sitting around the office, any assistant who's worth her salt is going to go, I need to put that away. That's inventory. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. you just don't leave that around, you know? <laughs> and there's another side story here, and I don't want to take away too much time from what you're going to bring uh, here in a minute. but. <laughs> There, there's another story that uh, I've read several places that the dental practice was financially in trouble before mm-hmm. all of this became. And I wonder, did the employees even know that? You know, did they realize that there was that pressure building even on that side of things, let alone the marital side of things? Yeah. So I'm very I curious. I think, first of all, you always know when there's issues with the marriage. I, I mean, doctors, if you're having issues with your marriage and you're trying to hide it, we will find out. Not because we want to, but it's just going to come out. You're going to be super stressed, like you're going to hang up on the phone with your your partner, and you're going to be in the worst mood ever, and we're just going to know. And if your partner comes into the office, we can see that stuff right away. And there's also drama llamas that are watching that stuff, too. So, sure. you know, we're going to know. So you might as well just, you know, to confide in your manager, and I don't want to take these calls, I don't want whatever. So that being aside... How do you tell if the office is in trouble or if the really what it is is the owner of the office if they're struggling? I'll give you a couple from my experience when your lab bills aren't getting paid. A lot of times lab bills and supply bills get paid last because you need to pay your rent, you need to pay utilities to keep things going, your mortgage. But you can always push off supply bills. You can always push off lab bills. Okay. So when you're when you're really bad with cash flow right now, that's what you're going to see is so if you if you're working for a dentist all of a sudden your lab's going yeah we'll be happy to process this but you need to pay your bill that's a problem it's even so bad some offices some doctors are so well known amongst distributors like your shines and patterson's of their payment practices that sometimes if you ever told that you need to pay upon receipt of the supplies you're in a bad situation because mm. they yep. still do that. It's, what, it's COD for us, the young young people on here. It's cash on delivery, right, or check on delivery. So they'll send, they'll give you the supplies, but they're not unloading anything until you write a check. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. That means that you're in trouble financially. I think that you could definitely see some signs, and looking back, you're like, oh, I should have seen that. When you're in the middle of it, and it's the first time you've seen it, like, I know these signs because it's come up in other conversations. Like, if this happened with me and my doctor, I would have just thought, oh, that's the way dentistry goes. You know, and I don't think there's really a course out there that says red flags to watch for. Yeah. I kind of wish there was now. You know, the more that Ooh. I think about this case, and I don't think we could ever teach one at a dental meeting because it would get uh, struck down quickly by the meeting planners. Oh, uh, now, see, so you just challenged me. I got to do that now because it's, well, it's got to be like the shady side of dentistry. Look at that. Well, you know, and, and you and I do enjoy the salacious. I mean, let's be honest. We do. Uh, yeah. Salacious doesn't fit well on a program medic magazine. Like a <laughs> shady, though. That's a, that's a sweet little word. Shady's perfect, right, right? And everybody knows what it means. Uh, the shady side of dentistry. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, Kevin, because honestly, I think if there were more awareness of the craziness that's out there, I mean, shoot, I could do a whole course on the shady side of billing. And I think people would count. I absolutely but- do. Then I've got Susan Gunn in my ear saying, well, if you teach people how to do shady stuff, then they're going to do shady stuff. Okay, maybe, but we'll catch them now because everybody's now is looking for the shady stuff. What we do is we take the class register, and if you sign up for that course, then we watch you extra careful after that. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) You will be Google flagged on our end, right? 
<laughs> it's something you said earlier. I just want, I don't want to gloss over this before we get to the other story. I mean, we could just weave in the other story, but there's not a lot of media, dental media coverage on this. I don't want to call out our, our publication friends because they answer to other people. You know this. Oh, you know. I do. Yeah. But it's really disappointing to have silence. You know, I talked to one, I shared with you privately, I talked to uh-huh. one and he was told, uh, I'm not really messing with that right now. And but, it, but why not? And and here's the thing, and I'm going to put on my editor hat here, okay? Uh-huh. Because just like you and I are talking about this, it, it's a teaching moment. It's something uh-huh. where, you know what, if you're an employee of a dental practice, you kind of need to know some of the red flags that these other people saw so you can be on the watch out for them. And so I don't think it's about covering that there's a dentist on trial for murder. That that's a story, but mm-hmm. that's not the story we need to be telling in the dental media. We need to be helping others. You know, one of the most popular courses I do, other than the one you and I do together, of course, <laughs> is is the top ten mistakes that dental practices make because everybody loves to see. Oh, look what those other people messed up for sure. And that's where we use a story like this to say, here's how they messed up, and here's how you don't. It's, it's true. Yeah, 100%. I, I I think they're missing a golden opportunity to do that, and with with all of our dental publications right now. The whole mental health part of it, though, I mean, there obviously there's a tie-in. Nobody that is in their right mind <laughs> plans to kill their spouse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's things called divorce attorneys that you go to first, you know, like, hello. What was really interesting to me is Facebook. I learned more about this case from the Facebook groups than I did from the news. So the Facebook groups were, you know, well, I know this and I know so-and-so and I went to school with so-and-so. All of the pieces started coming together. And then turns out he was having an affair with somebody, an orthodontist somewhere else. But what was really unfortunate is this person, and I'm not going to name it because I don't think that's right, but she was blasted all over the Facebook group. What happens if she was like, I'm not down with you, dude, but it's not her choice anymore. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, but now she's all over the place. So her practices, you know, there's a lot of crazies out there. You can't just put people on blast like that. Well, today's social media, you know, anybody can say anything. You know, the keyboard warriors are powerful, powerful people. And and I think that that's where we've got to take, kind of strip the emotion out of it and just say, as a business, this is what they did wrong, and here's how, why you <laughs> shouldn't be. But but absolutely, the human side of us, oh, we're absolutely ready to sink claws on somebody. My friend in Aurora told me that there's also another dentist in the area that had um, committed suicide just around it recently. Uh-huh. There is a story about mental health that should be there is. told. And, there is. And I know a lot of people talk about burnout. I know there's a lot of emphasis. Alan Mead, our friend Alan Mead. Another fellow podcaster, he talks about mental health. Uh, there's a friend of mine, Jason, he's with Inspiro. They focus on mental wellness and body wellness and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And there's a case to be made that we need to talk about these. And instead of just pretending that this was the lone dentist, you know, the lone case, oh. we're not all like that. That's not that's not important. It's not about you. No, you know, when, when Steve Martin came out and Little Shop of Horrors is the dentist, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, all the all the dentist references and movies through the years, we've always said, oh, that's not like us. Well, you know, there's a certain little bit of those characters in us as an industry <laughs> and it's For OK. Sure. But but we but you're right. I, I think that we need to make sure we're doing OK before we make sure that we can tackle a big problem that's going on in our practice. And so I I don't honestly fault the office workers i don't honestly fault anybody else at that practice because uh, you don't know what they were going through either through that time if you knew the practice is in financial trouble my guess is they're worried about their jobs too 
You know, there's, sure. there's probably a lot of stress in that practice. So I don't I don't put them at fault for anything. We're not blaming the office workers. It's just it, this is something to think about before it happens to you. Yes. I say this all the time. You don't want to make reactionary decisions like you want uh-huh. to have at least run through these scenarios. Let's talk about the, the Knoxville dentist uh, yeah. real quick, because that's a situation. Now, remember, this was back in 2019 before the shutdown. And the reason why we're still talking about this is because they just came up with his ruling, right? I sent you that. Let me just fix that, find that here. So he was sentenced to prison uh, for conspiring to commit fraud. So this is Clarence, nicknamed Buzz Neighbors. So Buzz Neighbors, we'll call him Buzz, uh, 56 years old, sentenced to six months in prison and then followed by six months of home detention. I mean, is home detention really that bad? We did that in 2020. We all survived it. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> like time served here. Uh, okay, so uh, pleaded guilty to conspiring to commit health care fraud. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff here. So let me just read this number. I mean, this is shady stuff that you could spot, too. He conspired to submit more than 6,700 fraudulent claims to three health care programs, resulting in a loss of those programs of 249 249000 basically. He submitted them using his ID, and it was for evals across all, just a ton of evals. Basically, he had told the hygienist that they should be documenting and completing comprehensive evaluations. So he basically was abdicating all of that dentisty stuff uh-huh. over to the hygienist, and the hygienist was like, I don't know about this. So What's interesting here is the hygienist spoke up, called the called the state board and was like, am I allowed to do that? And they were like, nah. And <laughs> she went back and said, OK, I'm not supposed to do this. And uh, then she alleges that the hygiene coordinator, who I'm guess it's admin. I'm guessing that's an admin person. Uh, the hygiene coordinator then uh, reduced her schedule and told her she needed to basically do it, you know, fall in line or else. And then when she didn't, she reduced her schedule and there was a lot of pushback and retaliation. And so she. Um, alleged that, and I guess she had proof. So that's where this came into play. So good on the hygienist for doing that because she's in danger of losing her license, right, Uh by doing that. So she was able to avoid that. She did the right thing. She absolutely did the right thing. But that's not the only team member that this Dr. Buzz had uh, pretty much coerced into doing things. So I know you talk about this part, that that he was asking assistants to do things that were over and above their scope of practice, that's an easier thing to get away with because, number one, assistants typically aren't aware of their practice act. There's no license or test that they had to sit for that's at the level of the hygienist because the hygienist definitely could lose the license. I mean, they go through a lot more schooling. When you become a dental assistant, you get a certificate, maybe a certification, depending on where you go to. You could lose your license as a hygienist. That's big, and there's liability involved in there, too. So I'm going to guess the assistants at this office maybe didn't have all that training, weren't aware that they weren't able to do certain things. But when they found out, they rightfully spoke up. Uh How do you approach it in your class? How do you spin that in your class to use that as an example? Well, I I think the onus is always on the dental assistant because the one thing that I I bring up, and I bring up this this case all the time, uh, as well as the one in Tulsa uh, where the dental assistants were starting IV sedation for the dentist before he came into the practice. First of all, you have to know your state laws. And I think that's that you have to as a dental assistant. I understand you're not required to, but going to the danby.org, D-E-A-N-B.org, clicking on meet state requirements and clicking on your individual state and seeing what you're legally allowed to or not do. I think that every dental assistant has to do that because I think if assistants do do that, 
they'll have a lot of questions for their for their dentist because I don't think this happens in the majority of practices, but I think it happens more often than we think that an assistant is doing something that legally he or she shouldn't be doing in that state. Right. And a lot of times it's not a blatant uh, misuse of, of them. A lot of times it may be that there's it's a lack it's an ignorance thing. But I what, think that on it's, the dentist side too, you mean? Or uh, uh, yes, absolutely. All around. Okay. All around. I do, I do believe that, and and I have heard of that. You know that it was just I didn't know that, and and obviously they stopped whenever they learned it. But it's up to the dental assistant to make sure that she he or she is making sure his career moves forward. There's no legal issues, anything else that you you stand up and you say. I'm not supposed to be doing this. We need to talk about this. The whistleblower conversation wouldn't be complete without us talking about the fact that there are states that offer whistleblower payments. Sure. I don't know necessarily clinically as far as OSHA or HIPAA, but I'm sure there are infection control. I'm sure there's whistleblower money available. I know on the healthcare, the finance part of it, the submitting claims, I mean, there's a lot of whistleblower dollars there. So uh-huh. I'm saying this because I'm I don't want you to go out looking for whistleblower dollars. No. But it's a factor when you're thinking about should I stay and should I do the right thing? Because you may turn in a doctor, but unless you have evidence, unless you've got something for them to look at, it's very easy for that to be just a warning and now you yeah. are off the list. Now you are now he does talk to you or she does talk to you to her colleagues of you will you'll believe this and you will believe that. Now, that does happen in this area. I do know, I've heard from dentists, yeah, I got rid of her because she was threatening this, this, and this. And it makes you go, well, was it a real threat or was she just being a crazy, you know, employee? So, again, two sides to every story. But if you are in a situation where you feel strongly that this is just wrong, I think people rationalize it of this is wrong and I need to do something or this is just messed up. I need to get the heck out. Uh-huh. Like, so there's two levels there. If whistleblower compensation makes the other the one decision easier than the other, maybe that is something to look at because you would be doing the right thing just on a voice on an official level, though. Yeah. I mean, that opens up that door. You know, with the pay comes a lot of things that are required of that, too. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yep. I think. I don't think any decision when it comes to what we've talked about today should be entered into lightly. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. You know, and, and I know people are very quick to judge, uh, to rush to judgment today and to assume the worst sometimes. And that's where I think communication, asking a question, saying, hey, I noticed this. Is this something, you know, just trying to get to the bottom of something without jumping there already in your head. I think that that's a really important skill to have today for any of us. Yeah. You got to stick out for yourself in your workplace, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I know we talk a lot about bullying and all that. And yeah, you got to stick up for yourself, but you got to also stick up for your ethics. I mean, I see this all the time in Facebook. Um, my doctor wants me to bail out this, this, and this. That's not right, is it? And I mean, it's a cult. People just jumping on, you need to quit. You need oh, yeah. to quit. They're, you know, she's, that, that's fraud. It's fraud. It's like, I don't know. It's cutting dry. And the poor person's just saying, is this right or wrong? <laughs> now, just pump the brakes a little, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now she's getting like a whole, like, oh, you need to change lifestyles and all this kind of stuff. And, <laughs> Forget your kids, do the right thing. It's not right. So, <laughs> uh, so as far as the Nashville, or not Nashville, the Knoxville dentist. Uh-huh. Uh, so I guess, I'm guessing his license was gone. I should probably check on that. I can't imagine they're going to give his license back. That, uh, I mean, because I know after a certain amount of time, if you do your time, you can always petition to get your license back from the state. I can't see that happening. But, you know, I, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that it's very easy for a dentist to move to a different state. 
Uh-huh. And start up again, and you see this with Medicaid fraud, especially a doctor will get convicted of Medicaid fraud, and then pop up in another location in another state. I, I wonder if the state boards do anything like that. You know, sharing information. I haven't looked into that. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. <clears throat> Excuse me, I haven't either. But it's a really good ad question. Yeah, there should be like a database, right? Like yeah. shady database, shadydatabase.com. Oh man, shadydentist.com. <laughs> <laughs> ADDentist.com. Oh. It's not even dentist, though. I mean, honestly, like like we talked about our, our Medicare, I'm sorry, our Medicaid fraud case, The uh, yeah. our Alaskan people, uh, yes. the doctor, hoverboard dentist and his manager. The manager was just as guilty, right? Oh, and you know what? I love my assistants, but there's some shady ones out there. I mean, let's be perfectly sure. honest here. Absolutely. And admin people, this hygiene coordinator that just was like, well, you got to do what you're told and, and then reducing hours like... Uh, that's shady. That's not right. You shouldn't do that. Like she's giving you a legitimate, like my board, my state is telling me I can't do this and you're going to override that. Like, come on, get over yourself. I mean, I know we got to look out for the practice, but that's a little bit too much. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Kevin, so the big takeaway is don't be shady or don't what? Do the right thing. Be <laughs> be a good human. I, I think that you have to say get past the, well, that'll never happen in my practice. I think you've got to get past that. Like you said earlier, kind of run through those things in your head. What would you do if? Yes. I think being prepared and not jumping to conclusions are two pretty important uh, qualities to have in this. And yeah, when when you got emotion involved, not jumping to conclusions is tough. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Slow your roll. So, all right, we, we went across the country. As you said, mountain mountain range to mountain range. We is did. that what you're saying? You know, I, I, this is the first one in a while we haven't gone overseas. So, uh, you know, it's good, oh, to, I got, good to stay I got on some home stories. soil. Yeah, I got, I got a Ukraine dentistry story for you next time, right? So, <laughs> Ooh, a little teaser there. Can I do a quick plug for my insurance class, Kevin? Do you mind? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my insurance class has just launched. I'm super excited. Dental insurance design and management. So I'll put a link. And uh, I'm telling people about this because, you know, I really would like to not travel so much next year. Yeah. So help me make that a reality. Well, and yeah. see, and I have an issue with that because if you don't travel, that means I've got to come to you and it's uh, it's just trouble. So, you know, can yeah, we just be in the middle somewhere? I guess. Well, we, we'll always have Squadcast or whatever we call it. What is it? It's a Squadcast. I, I can't remember if I'm on Zoom or Squadcast a lot of the time. So. <laughs> So uh, chew on this, listeners. I will put a, a nice little code for you in the show notes. And Kevin, thank you for my shameless plug. I appreciate you letting you me know do what? that. So. You can be shameless anytime. That's that's one of the bajillions <laughs> of things I love about you. Shamelessandshady.com. All right. <laughs> okay, dear listeners, thank you so much for spending your time with us. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned, and don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.